right. <sighs> Taking a breather here. Second. <laughs> I want to remind you, if you're signed up for the uh, marriage seminar, begins this uh, Friday evening. I believe it's 7. Am I right? Nobody knows. Not even I. S- 7 o'clock, okay. There's one video on Friday night, and then there's four videos on, on Saturday morning. And I believe it's going to start at 9, so just... Uh, huh? 8? Sure, you all have a lot of coffee for me. <laughs> Eight o'clock? Really? I'm going to have to talk to the management around here. <laughs> that's, that's pretty early, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you all know because you have your bulletins in your Bible. Uh, I should know, but I don't. It'll, it'll come to me soon enough. Leviticus 23, we're going to finish, hopefully, tonight, our study of the seven feasts of Israel. Now, you do know there are other, there are other festivals, uh, but these were seven that were given to us in Leviticus chapter 23, seven given by the Lord to the children of Israel. There's also, of course, the feast of Hanukkah and the feast of Purim. And a couple of others. Those are the two more recognizable. But the feast that we're going to deal with this evening is Hag Hasukot, the Feast of Tabernacles, or more literally, the Feast of Booths. Uh, it's a little confusing when we say the Feast of Tabernacles because Tabernacles, of course, is a it was a very the tabernacle was a very uh, distinct uh, 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 edifice, which was of course made for the purpose of worshiping God in the midst of the children of Israel after they came out of of Egypt, and uh, and so booths is more uh, or tents, if, as it were, but. Uh, Nonetheless, just like a tabernacle is a temporary dwelling place, so are these. And uh, as we get into it, you'll see the importance of it. Let's, let's look at Le- Leviticus 23, uh, beginning with verse 33. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Now, let me just add something here that I haven't added to uh, any of those days or any of the feast days that begin with that very same instruction. You shall do no servile work therein. Some translations say you shall do no customary work, which is the work that you normally do on a daily basis, you know, whatever it is that you do, whether in the fields or in, 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 in your shop or whatever. Uh, you don't do that. 
But that doesn't mean there isn't something to do, okay? Just wanted you to know that. Because there are some things that you have to do on the first day of tabernacles. So on the first day shall be a holy convocation. In other words, everybody gathers together. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So right there it tells you that if you're offering an offering, well, there are things that you have to do. Okay, but no servile, no customary, regular job work. But now you work unto the Lord. So it says on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. So now on the eighth day, that reminds us that somewhere in, in, in all of this is also a Sabbath. So there's an eighth day and you shall also gather together on that eighth day. And you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. And you shall do no servile work therein. Now, I don't want to be dismissive of the fact that a solemn assembly means it should be something that is very serious to you about God's presence, about why you do what you're doing because the Lord has commanded you to do this. That you can, you can have that attitude and still realize that on these days you rejoice in the Lord. All right, so I'm just kind of sticking some things in here that you need to understand about some of the language because sometimes you, you'll have people say, okay, this is a solemn assembly, and they walk into, you know, they, they, they talk about walking into churches, we're going to have a solemn assembly. But man, you've got to get together and worship the Lord and praise the Lord and, and, and give glory to the Lord and rejoice in the Lord, you see. So I don't want you to be confused about the language here. It's solemn because God's in the presence of his people, but hey, he wants us to rejoice. Okay, so, but still be serious about our being with him. Okay, uh, it's a solemn assembly, you shall do no servile work therein. Uh, these are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering and a, a sacrifice and drink offerings and everything upon his day. I mean, all kinds of offerings are going to be given. And then it says, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, and beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside all your free will offerings, which you give unto the Lord. In other words, you got all the things you do all the time anyway. Well, we're going to add to that. All right? So that you don't stop doing the other stuff on a daily basis that you normally do or a weekly basis. But this is something that I want to add to what you're doing. See, we're, we, we rationalize. We, we say, well, okay, we're going to do these other things, so I guess we don't have to worry about coming to church on such and such a day or, or going to, you know, the synagogue on such and such a day or whatever. No, 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 you do all that and you do this. Got it? All right. That's the idea. Verse 39, also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And on the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees. So here's the work I was telling you that you would be doing on the first day. You shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, the branches of palm trees, the boughs of thick trees, willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Notice, you shall rejoice. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever 
in your generation. So this is something you don't stop doing. Uh, you shall celebrate it in the seventh month, the month of Tishri. You shall dwell in booths seven days. There's Sukkot is booths. You shall dwell in Sukkot seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I told them, you guys make temporary dwelling places. And I'm your God, so you better do it. Okay? And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So, that's a booth, or a tent, or a sukkah. The singular is sukkah. So this is a sukkah. You also, can you see that okay? Is it okay, clear? You, you, they, they live in those things for, you know, these days, during the, 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 the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and here, this is, a, I, I like this because this is kind of a, a street in, in Jerusalem. And those are houses around there. And so they've put their little booths up. And you'll notice they make them out of various and different things. But they're, again, temporary places. And they actually eat in there. They, they eat in there. Okay? So that's Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so the seventh and final feast given to Israel in Leviticus 23 is called Sukkot. As you see, it's spelled here. Or the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Now, whoop, finger's getting a little fast there. Sukkot is observed in the fall. We're in the fall now, and we've actually just kind of passed that season. But uh, Sukkot is observed in the fall from the 15th to the 22nd of the month of Tishri. And of course, for us on the, in, in the uh, more modern calendar, it varies every year. But it's always in the fall. Now, during this time, many Jewish families construct a sukkah, which you all saw, a small and hastily built hut or tent in which meals are eaten throughout the festival. And as I said, sometimes some people will actually stay in their, in, in the, you know, if the weather's okay, they'll, they'll stay in the, in, the, uh, in the tabernacle or the, uh, the booth. The sukkah, now here's very important to understand, the sukkah is used to remember the hut's or the booths the children of Israel lived in during their 40 years of wandering in the desert after their exodus from Egypt. And so sukkah is singular, sukkot is plural. So it is the feast of sukkot, booths, tabernacles. So after Israel entered into the land of promise, sukkot was associated with the fall harvest and would be known as hag ha-asif, the festival of ingathering, Chag Ha-Asif. Uh, Chag is the feast of, Ha is the, or, yeah, the ingathering, Asif. And this, of course, would pertain to the harvest at the end of the year. Now, remember, there was an, another harvest that was during the time of Shavuot. Shavuot was in the summer, early summer, and it was the, um, 
It was the, the festival of Pentecost when the church was born. So this, of course, would pertain, as I said, to the harvest at the end of the year. Certain customs now would later be incorporated into the observance of Sukkot, which included decorating the sukkah, uh, performing special wave ceremonies. Remember the wave ceremonies that were waved before the Lord? They would do that and, and actually still do. What they would wave is what's called the, the lulav. Uh, and I'm not going to get into the lulav tonight. It's called the four species. And there are four things that they go out to gather and then they offer these things unto the Lord. Uh, we could probably study that another time. Again, these are added to Sukkot. Uh, they would also circle the synagogue in a procession while singing hymns and reciting various Hebrew blessings to sanctify the festival. Now this is a lot closer to what they would have done in the, the time of, uh, of Moses because rejoicing and singing songs was what the Lord said he wanted them to do. He wanted them to rejoice. And uh, it's interesting also that when you, when you look at uh, the celebration of Sukkot even today, <laughs> there is uh, uh, an evening uh, service that they have. and they, uh, Well, they have a morning service, an evening service. But in their services, they, they actually... Uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me not get ahead of myself. Because I have to mention another little thing that's added. Yeah, because if I get ahead of myself, then you're going to... I don't want to get you confused. But th- this is another thing that they've added. But it's a great thing that when, you, when you consider it. So, and, and I'm almost there. I was about this far from getting there, and I was getting too ahead. So now, while the Torah states that Sukkot is a seven-day holiday, which is uh, verse 34, by the way, in your text, seven-day holiday, very clear, we read it, an additional day is included. Now, that would be the eighth day, of course, obviously. But an additional day was included, and they called it Shemini Atzeret. Shmini Atzeret, which literally just means the eighth day of assembly. And by the way, that's already in the scriptures in verse 36. So look at verse 36 and you see it says, On the eighth day you will have a holy convocation. So that's what it means. Shmini Atzeret literally means the eighth day of assembly. Let me show you another passage in Numbers chapter 29. So keep your fingers here in Leviticus 23 and let's go over to Numbers 29 verses 35 and 36. And again, when we look at Leviticus, sometimes we see it in Deuteronomy, sometimes we see it in Numbers, even in Exodus, but the Lord has, is, is making clear, or, or making sure, I should say, that, that they understand that these are the, fe- the feasts that He wants them to observe. Uh, so in Numbers 29, verse 35, it says, on the eighth day, notice the eighth day, the Shemini uh, said it. On the eighth day you shall have a solemn assembly. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. One bullock, one ram, seven lambs of the first year without blemish. Of course, that could not go on after uh, you know, the temple was destroyed because then, of course, there was no place to do that. And they would not do that, actually, again. But they still were supposed to keep you know, the feasts. Anyway, since Sukkot marked the end of the agricultural year, another holiday was added. And it was a holiday added by the rabbis later on called Simcha Torah. Simcha Torah. If you want to know how to spell it, it's S-I-M-C-H-A-T. Simchat. Simchat. S-I-M. 
C-H-A-T. Simchat Torah. It, running together, it's Simchat Torah. And, and it, it's, again, a rabbinic addition to celebrate the end of the Torah reading cycle for the year as well. Now, today, the Jews have that Torah reading cycle. They read all of the Torah, the f- first five books of Moses, throughout the 54 weeks that they have in the, in the Hebrew calendar. So this marks the end. It's called Simchat Torah, and it marks the end of that reading cycle for the year. And so, and this is just informational for you, but Sukkot is celebrated for eight days in Israel today. In Israel, it is celebrated eight days and nine days in the diaspora. Now, diaspora would mean any Jews outside of Israel. So Jews in the United States and in other countries, they, they celebrate nine days. But in, in Israel, they celebrate eight, eight days. Because the Shemini, the Shemini Atzerat is, and the Simchat Torah are celebrated on the same day, on the eighth day. But I guess away from Israel, you celebrate the Shemini Atzerat one day, and then Simchat Torah the next. So it's nine days. So that's that's more fun. Nine more days instead of you know, just seven or eight. And so that's just informational. So in in, in Israel, the, the eighth day of Sukkot as I said, combines the Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah while outside uh, the holiday, the eighth day is, is one and the other. I just said that, didn't I? Okay. You see, now I'm repeating myself. So once I'm getting ahead of myself, now I'm repeating myself, but I think that's all right. By the way, Simchat Torah literally means rejoice in the Torah. Rejoice in the Torah. Rejoice with the Torah. Rejoice because of the Torah. Rejoice. So now, getting back to that synagogue where I was getting a little bit ahead of myself, what they do now is, is they, they actually bring out all the scrolls of the Torah. They bring them out and they have the children come, boys and girls, most of, mostly in some places just the boys, but in other, in other congregations, the, all the children. And they gather together and they're singing songs and they're praising and they're walking all around and they go all around inside of the synagogue with their scrolls and they're praising God for the word of God. Isn't that wonderful? We should do that. We don't have scrolls, but uh, we've got our Bibles. It's all here. <laughs> You see, because the the Jewish people are commanded to rejoice during the holiday of Sukkot for the blessings of God's provision and care for our lives, and we as well as believers in Yeshua and believers in Jesus, who is, by the way, Jesus is the Torah Ha'emet. Torah Ha'emet. That means Jesus is the true Torah. He is the true Torah. So because they were commanded, and we were also commanded, it is considered especially important. If we rejoice in the Torah, it is especially important for the Jews as well as for us as believers in Jesus Christ to give tzedakah. I'm not talking about Neil tzedakah. 
How many of you remember Neil Sadaka, the singer? Okay, wow, a lot of you. My goodness. Yeah, well, we're not, we're not talking about Neil Sadaka. We're talking about Sadaka, which means charity. Charity. It means charity. We're to give charity. We're to take care of people. Charity. That I, my wife is looking at me like, what? <laughs> charity. <laughs> you know, love. In other words, love offering, love giving. Uh, during this time of year as well, but of course, you know, when we look at the scriptures, we give all the time we're supposed to. When there is need, we give. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 16 because I need you to catch a little bit of that in the scripture itself. Deuteronomy 16. Oh, by the way, there's Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah. I'm sorry I didn't give it, give it earlier. I was just so excited about something. I'm excited about being here with you guys, studying the Word of God. Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah. You all got it? Okay. Deuteronomy 16, verse 14. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast. I was just talking about tabernacles or uh, Sukkot. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. By the way, folks, the Feast of Tabernacles is the only feast where Jew and Gentile can celebrate it together. And it's right here. But it is today celebrated together in Israel. And here it is. Okay, so then we look at verse 15, and it says, Seven days... Shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all thy work of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. So we rejoice because he's blessed us. And then notice verse 16. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. Which are the three? Passover. Savot and Sukkot. Passover, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Okay, got it? So those are the three. And uh, of course, the place that he does choose, of course, is, 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 uh, is, is Jerusalem. But then it says, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of Weeks, which is Shavuot, Pentecost, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. You see, that was a test, and here's the answer. All right, got it? All right, now verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he has given thee. We give as we are able. The giving will be that which we were talking about earlier, about giving to those in need, the charity aspect, the giving to the need. We give as according to the blessing as God has given to us. So that, that's an important thing to remember. And as already mentioned, Sukkot was to celebrate the wilderness wanderings when the children of Israel lived in tents on their way to the promised land. Now, they were to begin with a sacred assembly on the first day, 
doing no work whatsoever, as I mentioned to you earlier. So we're going to kind of review this for a reason. We go back over here to verse 35 of Leviticus 23. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. You don't do your regular work, your, your regular job. You put that aside, but there's other things to do. So they were to approach God. Listen, they were to approach God for atonement. And let's understand atonement tonight as reconciliation with God. That was the what the reason for the that was what the reason was for atonement, to reconcile with God. And and it didn't begin just in Yom Kippur and the ten days of awe. Do you remember when we were looking at that that a whole month before there were the warnings to prepare in the month of Elul? 29 days, the 30th day was silent, but 29 days, trumpets would play, hey, a warning to get yourself right with God. 29 days, and then a silent day, and then, Yom, and then uh, the, the, the uh, month of Tishri would begin with what? The blasting of the trumpet, the Yom Teruah, the, the awakening blast. And, and then, of course, we would see Yom Kippur. Uh, the Day of Atonement. But then there was the 10 days, and then comes... So we're looking at, at, at the full extent here of this time frame. They were to approach God for atonement during each of the seven days. How? Through the burnt offering. Or the burnt offering. Look at verse 36. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall you... Uh, or shall be a, a holy convocation unto you, and you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no servile work therein. So not only did you have seven days, but then you have also on the eighth day there was an offering unto the Lord. And by the way, made by fire means it was a burnt offering. So notice that on that eighth day they were to hold another sacred assembly to close the festival, the body of the whole nation. See, the whole of the nation was called together to approach God for reconciliation through another burnt offering. Now, the importance of the Feast of Sukkot and the other feasts was stressed. All the feasts. Notice again, verse 37 and 38. We're coming back to these verses just to to see the the fullness of what uh, God was giving Moses to give to the people. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. To offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything upon His day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord and besides your gifts and beside all your vows and beside all your free will offerings which you give unto the Lord. So they were all annual sacred assemblies for worship. Annual sacred assemblies for worship worship. They were uh, for the purpose of approaching God for atonement and reconciliation through sacrifices and offerings. Folks, Paul became very clear to us that Jesus has done that for us once for all. But that does not cheapen what we are called to do and to remember that Christ did see 
We don't have to present blood any longer. The blood of Jesus Christ has been presented for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He's made us one. And again, what we're seeing in this particular feast is the aim toward the bringing together the Jew and the Gentile. And you'll see that in a moment. But they, they were to be additional celebrations. These seven feasts were to be additional celebrations, not to replace a person's regular approach to God. They were to be in addition to their individual approaches to God. They were not to replace their free will offerings. They were not to replace their regular Sabbath day of worship, nor any other gifts or offerings that the people brought to God. They were to do that on a daily basis throughout the whole year. But when these dates came, when these things came, they had to observe them. Now, this is an important thought when you see the importance of the prophetic in these, in these uh, uh, feasts. The fact that they were done on time, that, that they were done at a certain time, that they were done after a certain amount of time, the next one would come and the next one would come. That God has a plan in this. So the plan is very clear that they're going to happen in their time. So now God knows how to divide the time up over the period of time that we're living in called the time of the Gentiles. Because at, one, at, at some given time, the trumpet is going to sound. At some given time that God only knows. The trumpet blast is going to sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him. That has the next thing on the calendar. So all of these things are so important. You keep living for Christ. You keep living for God. You keep loving the Word. You keep serving God. You keep serving His people. You keep learning and growing and continuing to take the life of Christ and the love of Christ to other people until when? When that trumpet blows, everything's going to be all right. No matter what you are facing as a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter what people are facing today as believers in Jesus Christ across this world. And we're getting more and more people attacking the church in our own country when not many years ago Christians didn't worry about that. Yeah, there's always been opposition to the gospel, but not like we see today. So what should we be doing? Well, first of all, we shouldn't be fearing. We shouldn't be afraid of anything at all because Jesus said, hey, I'm with you. The Lord says he's with us and what do we have to fear? You continue to stand for the love of God and the love of Christ and the love of his word and you continue to stand on his word and you continue to preach his word. The next thing we do is we keep looking up because he said, I'll come in, you know, I'm going to come. And don't forget, we're not looking for Antichrist, we're looking for Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. So we keep worshiping. And we keep trusting in God's word. We keep learning what we're doing here today. We're going back thousands of years, but we're learning something about how we live our lives today. Now, the importance of the Feast of Sukkot is re-emphasized 
in verses 39 and 40 of our text. So let's go and look at that again because it reemphasizes this, this feast. Also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. So it's, it's repetitive. Why? Because I don't know about you, but I can forget something in five seconds. I'm not alone here, am I? So I'm watching some of you looking at... <laughs> We're all a little forgetful. It's all right to have a little bit of repetition because repetition's a great teacher. So it says, you know, hey, in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you've gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Notice again that the work that they could do on the first day was to gather the products of the trees. The palm branches, the branches from the thicker trees, the bigger trees, whatever other trees they had, gathering twigs and and willows and, and all kinds of, of things, leaves and, you know, whatever. They just gathered all this stuff. And by the way, even the text implies even the fruit of the trees they were to gather. They gathered it all together. It was going to be all a part of what they were building. And they were going to build for themselves and their family shelters, Sukkot, to live in for seven days. The festival was to be a joyful celebration and rejoicing before the Lord. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't work that you said, oh man, got to do this again. Here we go, got to build a little tent again. <sighs> In fact, they, every year that when they get, they get excited about doing this, they say, I wonder how I can make it better. You know, every year, we're going to go and try to decorate it, because part of, part of the celebration was to decorate it, you know. Now, I mean, that's a new thing, but, but, but they do it because they enjoy that, you know. And, uh, and so it says, uh, where am I? So it was to be a joyful celebration. And here again, I want you to understand when, when it talks about a solemn assembly, yes. Solemn, why? Because God is going to be present, and he's, he's to be feared, he's to be reverenced, he is to be uh, uh, given all the praise, honor, and glory, to be looked up at. I mean, you know, he's to be seen in awe, and that's all wonderful, but we're to praise him. We're to worship him, we're to glorify him, we're to honor him with our joy and our joyful uh, ways of praise. And then in verses 41 through 43, it says, And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the, in the seventh month, the month of Tishri. Uh, you shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are, in, are Israelites born shall dwell in the booths. Uh, so if you're an Israelite, you have to do it. I mean, you know, if you weren't, you could still do it if you wanted to, but you didn't have to. But if you're an Israelite, you did have to. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. So this was all to be done to show them and us that the Sukkot, the booths or the tents, were symbols of how temporary this world is. 
It is to show us how temporary, how temporal this world is. And I also want you to note the warning in verse 43. I am the Lord your God. Because there was an expectation of obedience upon the people. An expectation of obedience upon the people. Folks, we have to be obedient to God's word. We need to be obedient to God's directions from his word to us. The Lord expected his people to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. He expected his people to celebrate Sukkot. If they failed or if they refused, his judgment would fall on them. Somebody might say, well, that's, that really throws water on the fire. <laughs> no, it doesn't if you just honor the Lord by being obedient to him and rejoice in him. Serve him the way he says, listen, this is how I want you to serve me. I'm the Lord. You're my servants. You're my people. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for you. As a matter of fact, I provided for you. I provided for you an escape, an escape from your, from your uh, bondage. Uh, and, 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 and I provided for you for 40 years while you went through this wilderness experience. And even though I had to judge a few people out there, for the most part I showed you mercy. I gave you everything you needed. When you needed water, I gave you water. When you needed food, I gave you manna. Isn't it interesting how many people today want to be God? And they, turn, they try to turn the tables on God. That we don't like what the Word of God says, so, you know, we're going you know, to believe a, a, a different kind of Jesus. A Jesus that let us do what we want to do. And live the way we want to live. And we'll still wear the garb, you know. We'll, we'll still wear it. All due respect, but listen. You can do all of that and just hate God's word. And that is happening today. I was reading about some international thing on world religions that they were having in Salt Lake City not too long ago and and they had all kinds of religions represented, and even Christianity, whatever part of Christianity was they were representing. And they had Buddhists there, and they had Tibetan monks, and they had, you know, Hindus and 
Muslims, and they had all kinds of things going on. New Age people. And everything centered around that unity unless you were a Bible-believing Christian. Then you were hated for believing the Word of God. And they as much said they would not be tolerant. They would be tolerant of everybody else, but they would not be tolerant of Bible-believing Christians. Now, what's wrong with this picture? I want to believe every word. As a matter of fact, I do believe every word. I may at times not understand every word, but I can understand one thing. In the beginning, God, that covers it all for me. To the last amen of the book of Revelation. If you can believe the first four words of the Bible, you can believe the rest of it. And you can trust. And isn't it interesting how God has given us prophecy and prophetic things to show us that everything about his word is going to be 100% accurate at all times. It happened with Jesus. As far as the prophecies concerning the Messiah, everyone fulfilled. And every prophecy is going to be fulfilled, will be fulfilled, or every prophecy that's been given about the end times, all going to be fulfilled. We're so close to seeing it because it's happening already. The rebirth of Israel, 1947. The nations that surround Israel that are, that are there to destroy Israel. The Bible talks about it constantly. It's coming alive to us now. We're beginning to see all the players. The Bible's true. We better believe God. And therefore, we better obey God. And let's, let's love God. We don't, we don't want to be in that position where we say, well, I've got to worship God. No, I want to worship God. That should be our attitude. I want to worship Him. Is there enough people today are pointing guns and, and, and swords and knives at the throats of people to say, you turn, you turn from the Word of God, you come to believe this or else your head's going to be cut off. And Well, it's happening today and the Lord said there would be beheadings. They're already happening because of the gospel. So you tell me the word of God has to be changed because people don't like it. God have mercy on their souls that they come to truth. Well, wow, I spent a lot of time. Y'all going to stay with me now? I'm going I'm to put it on overdrive. So as the believer is marching toward heaven, their dwelling upon this earth is only temporary. No matter what kind of house he lives in, it is only temporary. It is made of decaying, corruptible materials. It will waste away, and some day, week, month, or year, it will cease to be. Consider all that the believer is also living in a temporary body. 
Our bodies are temporary. I don't care what anybody says on TV. I'm falling apart. Wish I wasn't, but you know. Some days I feel really good and other days it's like, hey, what's going on here? But it is a body that the scriptures describe as a temporary body or tent. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 1 through 4. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, the house, which is our bodies, is called a tabernacle. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, this booth, do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. The body is corruptible and will decay and cease to exist. Our journey Our sojourn, our pilgrimage, as it were, through this world is only a temporary one. We are marching to our permanent and eternal home in heaven where we will live forever in the presence of God. Is it any wonder that Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Lay lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure today? We have to seriously ask ourselves that question. Where is our treasure today? So many people want one foot in this earth and one foot in heaven. Well, folks, we're here now. We're still in flesh, but we've been given a promise. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're not planting roots here on this earth. You know, all this stuff about global warming and the environment and all of that stuff, it's a lie of the devil when you think about it. Getting people to think that you gotta you gotta take care of this Mother Earth thing, you know. Well, Father in heaven says, I'm gonna destroy it all. Because that's not what matters. What matters is you, your heart, you who are created in my image. That's what matters to me. And you take on that lie of the enemy, oh, the global warning warming, you know. Man, we got so many problems in the world and the, this country is just going down the tubes as fast as it can. And, and you know what one of the administration's most important thing is? It's not about our military taking care of them, taking, giving them what they need and their families. No, it's about global warming. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Father, forgive me. I'm, I got to hurry. You all don't mind staying another half hour, do you? Because I got to get going in the right direction here. Okay, so now from the spiritual perspective, let's let's get to the spiritual perspective of Sukkot. Sukkot corresponds to the joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven. When? During Yom Kippur. That's what Jesus was all about, coming and dying and shedding His blood, forgiving us of our sins, changing us, making us new creatures in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
But it also recalls God's miraculous provision and care after the deliverance from bondage in Egypt. Prophetically, Sukkot anticipates the coming kingdom of Yeshua HaMashiach, the coming kingdom of Jesus the Messiah, wherein all the nations shall come up to Jerusalem. All nations! Comes up, they all come up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord during the Feast of Tabernacles. Zechariah 14, verse 16. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which come against or which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Jew and Gentile. You see it now? What is the church? Jew and Gentile. Today, Sukkot is, is a time to remember God's sheltering presence and provision for us for the start of the new year, Rosh Hashanah, the start of the new year. In light of the work of Jesus as our high priest, our Kohen Gadol, remember that, Kohen Gadol, he's our high priest of the new covenant, we now have access to the heavenly temple of God. We have access to the heavenly temple. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Oh, listen, isn't he great? He's not just a high priest. He's a great high priest, which means he's better than any high priest that's ever been. That is, passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Isn't that a great statement? We, have, we don't have a high priest who, who cannot be touched. In other words, we have a high priest who can be touched yet without sin. He went through everything when he was on this earth. Through his temptations, through his life, through everything, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly. In other words, come confidently to the throne of His grace. Christian, come confidently to Christ every day to obtain your mercy and to find grace for help in your time of need. So we are now members of the greater temple of his body, making us now a part of his great sukkah, his great booth, which brings to mind something that Jesus said that we didn't put together when we see him saying this before he goes to the cross. But in John 14, we know what he said. He said, let not your heart be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, literally mansions, yes, but dwelling places, dwelling places. From the word tabernacle. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be also. Our sukkah is Jesus. Our sukkah is Jesus. For where I am, there you will be also. Overall, the picture is of the future kingdom age that that God has prepared for Israel and all those who believe. But again, the ultimate focus is on Israel. The ultimate focus is on Israel. Instead of dwelling in booths, they will dwell with the Lord. As this illustration that I'm going to give you in Isaiah will encourage us about, it's Isaiah 11, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. I know that you've read this, and you see the picture. It changes a certain misconception that people have that the, that the, 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 lion, the lamb and the lion will lie down. You know, I mean, it, there's other pictures in the scripture, but here it says the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with a kid, that being like a goat, uh, the calf and the young lion and the battling together. You know, these are all today an opposing kind of animal kingdom, you know. That's, you know, the, the, the lamb lying down with a wolf. The lamb was today lunch. It's a wolf. But not in God's kingdom. Not in the kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ even. Because this is what it is talking about. Uh, and a little child shall lead them. It even talks in the scriptures about the child playing around with, 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 with snakes. The cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. No longer eating other animals. The suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. Here it is right here. And, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. The cockatrice is really an adder or another kind of, of, of uh, snake. And they shall not hurt or nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a, what, what a, what a glorious picture that is. Because if you're like me, I, you're probably just tired of seeing the world the way it is. Tired of seeing death Disease, pain, hurt. Tired of seeing it grow on people. Hatred, evil, wickedness, compounding the issues in life. But this is the glorious period. The glorious period of time known as the millennium, the thousand year reign of Christ. As righteousness fills the lands, as our King of kings and Lord of lords rules and reigns. This is also a good time to note that the Jewish rabbis, they added two extra rituals to their celebration. (laughs) of the Feast of Tabernacles to remind them of God's wilderness blessing. 
Two important ones even for us because Jesus uses those additions. The first was uh, the ritual of pouring out water from the pool of Siloam. They would carry the water from the pool of Siloam all the way to the temple and pour out the water as a reminder of how God provided for them water in the wilderness when there was no water to be found. The second was the placing of four large lighted candlesticks to recall the pillar of fire that led the people by night. This was done during Sukkot in Jesus' time. And Jesus related both of these traditions to himself. To himself. It was during Sukkot when the water was being poured out at at the temple that Jesus cried out in John chapter 7. At the last day, that great day of the feast, the feast of Sukkot, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He used that opportunity to point the people to himself. Come unto me. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In the next chapter, there as well, in, the, in and amongst the temple crowd in John chapter 8, in verse 12, it says, And spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Probably while they were lighting these candles. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So now everything that we see in Scripture, from Genesis to Malachi, in the Old Testament or in the Hebrew Scriptures, points to Jesus. And Jesus in the gospel says, all the things that you've been looking at to his own people, they all point to me. Pesach. Pesach. The Passover. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who had come to take away the sin of the world, crucified on Passover for our sins. Hag Hamatzot, Jesus, our unleavened bread, the sinless one who was placed in the tomb on the feast of unleavened bread. Yom Habikurim, Jesus, our first fruits, as he was raised from the dead on the day of first fruits. Shavuot, the feast of Pentecost, the summer feast that brought forth the church as Jesus, the risen Christ, united both Jew and Gentile into one body, the church, empowering them for the work of the ministry to bring the gospel to a lost world. Yom Teruah, the day of the awakening blast, the feast of trumpets, the day that Jesus will gather the believers in Jesus Christ, the dead in Christ first, and then those who are alive and remain before the great and awesome day of the Lord that is seen in Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. 
the day the Jews as a nation will receive Yeshua as their Messiah, but they must go through the day of the Lord, the one day. Yom Kippur is seven years long. But at the end, they will receive Yeshua as their Messiah, their Lord and Savior. At the end of the tribulation period, receiving His atonement and reconciliation. And then Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths and Dwelling Places. The Bride of Christ, Jew and Gentile, will dwell with the Lord in the Millennial Kingdom, the Kingdom Age, for a thousand years. Be careful when you hear people on the radio today or TV say, well, you know, the thousand-year reign of Christ is not a literal reign of Christ. Besides, all Scripture has been, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's all been fulfilled now. That's called preterism, folks. Preterists are those people who say that all the all the. the Biblical prophecies have been fulfilled. All of them. Even even the ones that we say are future. No, they've all been fulfilled. So what does that mean? With all of the things that's going on in the world? Oh, well, God has given us now, you know, the, the, the responsibility. We're supposed to make the world better. Really? Some of us can't even make our own households better. Much less try to make the world better. No, they got it all wrong. You see, for as much as we we love the Jewish people, and and we should, and we need to support them and pray for them, uh, I respect them because when they do get to their festivals, they do what they need to do in obedience to the Lord. Because one day, they're going to see their Savior. They're going to see their Messiah. They're going to see the one whom they pierced. And they will weep. They will weep. Because they will recognize. Our Savior, we haven't seen him. But we know what he's done. He's changed us. Changed our lives. And we need to proclaim that to the world. Because Jesus said, I'm coming again. You know, if these people think that because of their quote-unquote intellectual prowess or intellectual uh, understanding of, of theology, hey, more power to them, I suppose. All I know is one thing. Once, I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. And if Jesus said, I'm coming again for you, then I'm expecting him to come. I don't know what you're expecting, but I know what, he, I know what we're expecting. And when he said, these things are going to happen at a certain time, and then the end comes. Well, how can you say all things have already happened and the end hasn't come yet? See? It's, it's foolishness, Honestly. Not to believe the word of God. 
I think some, so many people, and I know there have already been some, who have, who have regretted the fact that they put all kinds of degrees on their wall and have become more confused because they were told certain things aren't, aren't really true in the Scriptures. Thank God we can put all that aside and say, you know what, I believe what Jesus said. And I believe what he says is going to happen. So may they call us fools, that's fine. We know better. What an awesome God we have. Folks, I want to leave you with Titus chapter 2. Hello? ¿Qué pasó? No? Titus chapter 2. You know, I have to go all the way through this with my finger. What's, what's happening? Don't, don't, don't fight me over there. I don't know why this happens. Boy, a lot of scriptures tonight, huh? All right, there we go. All right. For the grace, for the grace of God, Titus 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness... And worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Present world. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Don't let anyone despise what you believe from the scriptures. Amen? God only, did, only went five minutes longer than usual. That's a blessing. I thought it was going to be five hours, but that's just me. Praise the Lord. All right, seven feasts of Israel. Did we get them all? Yeah, got them all. Praise the Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Got us through this. Let's thank the Lord. Amen. All right. And the fact and the fact of the matter is, we just scratched the surface on some of these things. So, wow, keep studying. Keep learning. Keep growing. Let's all stand. I know you're tired. Time for dinner for some of us. <laughs> Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit. The spirit and the word together, what, a, what dynamite that is. And we're thankful, Father, to receive your blessings. Help us, O oh God, in understanding all of these things. Continue, Lord God, to help us to grow in them so that we might understand them rightly, to live them rightly as we look for the day of Christ, the day that he has stated will come when he comes. We look forward to that, that coming. Encourage us and bless us this rest of this week and when we gather this weekend for the marriage seminar as well as for church. Lord, we, we just want to be filled 
We want to be changed. We want to be moved. We want to be used. Father, whatever you want to do with us, Lord, we want to make ourselves available to that. So bless our people. Bless our families here. We ask you to bless the Munoz family and the Blanco family uh, and uh, also the Ressa family, two families that have lost loved ones this week. We ask you, Father, just to be with them in, in, your, in your love and mercy and grace. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.